What's the thing that scares you the most? Confined spaces and uh, blood particles in the air, the dark, that coral thing that's been staring at me since I came in here. Chris, I'm scared to death. Welcome to the Sum of All Fear podcast, the show that examines real-life phobias and the horror movies that prey on them. So pour yourself something strong, Feardos, and let's find out what makes you afraid. Why well, you got a lot of notes? I got lots of notes. On Gosh. My, misophobia. <laughs> Miso. Misophobia. Oh, man. Is Miso. this the fear of misophobia. Jar Jar Binks? It's the fear of Jar Jar, I think. Oh, man, this is going to be a great episode. Most or, hated episode ever. Or or the mildly racist misophobia. Oh, man. Not so you can't good. say that. Can't well, say that? we can't say that. Our niece and nephew is like one-eighth Chinese. So oh, there you go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Done deal. Um, yeah, that's our phobia for today. Uh, misophobia. And he is so excited about this. He has just wildly been anticipating the fear it. fear of germs. Or, or contamination. Contamination. Or, or viruses. Viruses or uncleanliness or defilement. Unclean. Forever unclean. Forever unclean. Forever unclean. Uh yeah. So fear of germs today. We we never we never announced the phobia this early in the episode, but we're so excited about misophobia. <laughs> and everything. There's just a jar jar thing going on there. But it's yeah, misophobia. Misophobia is the actual name of it. But every time I look at it, I think of I think of uh, pronouncing it differently. Um, welcome back, Feardos. Feardos. We're, we're back. Episode 17. Wow. 17 episodes. Yeah, we're, we're, we're moving towards 20 here pretty Man, quick. Man, we're teenagers. I know, we should move out and get a house soon. We, yeah, right. <laughs> what? Yeah, maybe when we're 29. Uh, right. No, we have at least 10 more years of living at home. I got my kinklin. You do, and I have my tea. You got your tea. You got like two two teas? Well, I have um, a cold brew coffee from the farmer's market this morning. They came in a mason jar. Oh my jar. gosh. Came in a mason <laughs> it jar? came in a mason jar. I was supporting wow. local businesses, Kay. You are, that is like the hipster of all I know. Things. I thought you would say that. Jeez. And then I have my herbal tea and then water. Wow. And then my doogie. None of that stuff's going to get you drunk. No. I, on the other hand, have got uh, tequila and squirt, which is very similar to your herbal tea from yes. what I hear. Yeah. It's the herbal tea of the alcohol world of the Aztec shamans. Oh, tell me more. I, I don't know. I, I, that's oh, all I, that's really it. all I know. That's all I know. Come on. That's you what they be, used to drink. You gotta be faster. Tequila you gotta and squirt was what the shamans used to drink. That's what I hear. That's I've, in, in my vast studies of Aztec culture, uh, I have uncovered that. Oh. So I didn't, uh, you know, uh, most people don't know that that's, uh, that's, that's the Squirt's truth. Squirt's been around a long time. So Feardos, we're back. Uh, I'm Drew, the husband and horror nerd, and this is Chris, the wife and professional mental health therapist. Oh, hello. Uh, and she loves to read about making herself and others better, while I like to read about the socio-cultural implications of Jason's mask choices. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that could not be true. And, I, <laughs> and I've heard, I've also heard that we're now being called the Sherlock Holmes and Watson of podcasting. Wait, which one is Watson? Uh, you're Sherlock Holmes, of course. Oh, for thank sure. You. There's no doubt Wait. about it. He's the smart one. Watson is the is the lesser of the two. Uh, um, they're equals, um, but one is clearly smarter. I feel like you just want to be put down. Well, sometimes. Shame me. Shame me some more. Yes, Watson. Um, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Holmes. 
uh, elementary, my it's dear Watson. Elementary, my dear Watson. Uh, if you like the show, guys, please go to your podcast apps and give us a rating and a review, much like our amazing contrarian friend Lacey. Uh, she gave us a wonderful review this because week. she is wonderful. She is wonderful, and she also signed it off as, or she her moniker on on the review was Lacey the Contrarian. <laughs> so we we love that. <laughs> um, she wrote a wonderful review. I'll read it real quick on iTunes. Um, the horror, the fear, the psychology behind it all. Chris and Drew are a dynamic duo, just trying to help us figure out why we're all so afraid of everything. With each phobia, they discuss the background, the psychology surrounding it, and highlight horror movies that play on those fears to give us the heebie-jeebies. Uh, give it a listen. If you're into cool movies, scary topics, and metaphorical brain dissection. Metaphorical brain dissection. So be like Lacey, guys. Thank you, Lacey. We really appreciate it. Um, Lacey is amazing. Um, him, Her and Wayne, uh, her boyfriend, are um, the baddest of asses. Yeah, they are true feardos. They show up. On Sunday nights for Sinister Sundays, they listen to the podcast. Like they're they're just really amazing friends. Good people, good friends, good people. So thank you. Yeah, and hopefully they'll be at uh, Sinister. I think we're going to see them at Sinister Creature Con too, right? We were talking about. Yeah. So if, you're, if you're in the Sacramento area, guys, um, we're going to go to Sinister Creature Con at least on Saturday. We have two day passes, but I think we're only going to make it Saturday. Uh, we'll probably be at the Joe Bob. Joe Bob's going to be there. Um, Felissa Rose is going to be there. Uh, who else? Will our um, stickers be ready by then? Linnea, uh, Linnea Quigley. Um, I hope so. I'm going to check with uh, with our friend Nikki Knuckles. Who um, is also who works at the sticker amazing. guy. To see if our stickers are going to be ready by then, which I hope they will. Thanks, um, sticker guy. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, be like Lacey, guys. Go give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. It's, it really is. Um, it makes, makes our day, makes our week, and it's really helpful to promote the podcast. So we appreciate that. Um, and it really helps us spread that Feardo gospel out into the podcasting world. The word of the Feardo. The word of the Feardo. Uh, we have social media as well. Tons of it. Uh, check out our social media, guys. It's our community. It's the way that we talk and interact with all of you wonderful people. And we try to post fun, cool stuff up on there. And we also post up a lot of stuff about the episodes. And, you know, and we post some stupid ass memes and. You know, it's fun. And Drew reads all the statistics about where you folks are at and reading from, and it's yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so we're on Facebook at Some of All Fear Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Some of All Fear Pod. And we have a sad little Patreon page uh, at <laughs> patreon.com. Oh, our one Patreon is fantastic. Patreon.com backslash uh, Some of All Fear Podcast. Um, but we don't really have a lot to offer our Patreons right now, but that's going to change. Because we are going to get some merchandise. Um, but once we get five Patreons, guys, that's our goal um, right now. It's just five five people to support at $5 a month. Um, once we get to five, then we will we will be sending out uh, T-shirts and stickers. And I don't know what else, but we'll get a few other things, a little package built for those first five Patreons. Um, so get it, you know, get in while it's hot, man. Get in on the ground floor. This is like IBM <laughs> in the early 80s you know, late seventies, early eighties, get in early, make your investments for the big time for the big time. <laughs> oh gosh. And just as always, thank you for supporting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else we had? Oh, I was going around. So I was going around. Um, hold on. I got some kinkling here. Wait, I have a kinkling too. My spoon and my honey, uh, chamomile tea. <sighs> so lame. 
You're lame. You're Your so face lame. is lame. Your face is lame. Um, so uh, we're on a bunch of different podcast apps. So we're on uh, we're on Apple. We're on Podbean. We're on Stitcher. Um, we're on Bullhorn, which I'd never heard of. Spotify, Google, um, Podcast Addict. And so I was going around. I like to go around and check them every now and then because they have some of those have reviews and comment sections and things like that. And I went on Castbox, and I noticed that we have a few Castbox feardos. Um, and one of them is named Kaylee Weissman. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kaylee or yeah, Kaylee looks like Kaylee. Uh, and she posted a bunch of comments up on Castbox. Oh, that's right. Um, she talked about a phobic experience where she couldn't go into her classroom when she was in elementary school, oh. um, and had to, to like, and like sat in the bathroom the whole day or had to go home or something like that. Um, which I can relate to. Poor thing. Um, I know. And apparently we made her Alexa talk once. Ah. Uh, which <laughs> yes. was posted a while back, um, which we realized we couldn't talk to our Alexa because it might be super annoying. Which we also Alexas. made Alexa talk like three times just then and four. Yeah. Just by saying Alexa? Probably, yeah. No. Hey, Alexa, play John Denver. <laughs> Death Harbinger. <laughs> John Denver. Death Harbinger. <laughs> Country roads. Um, and then most recently, a few weeks ago, she said uh, we had we had great hints for what the fear. So thank you, Kaylee. Um, we really appreciate you listening, and we thank you for commenting and for following along with the podcast. Thanks, Kaylee. You're a great feardo. Yeah. So we just wanted to say hi to you, Kaylee, because you had commented a few times, and we wanted to let you know that we we, we, heard we noticed ya. and we found your comments, and we appreciate them. So write us back and let us know where you're from, and uh, and we'll we'll give you some more shout outs. Um, also, was dissecting our like anchor podcast base and looking where people were from. We've talked about our international listeners a couple times, which is kind of cool. Um, we have, we now have only 93% of our listeners are in the United States. What? So we have a whole 7% of international listeners. That's great. Which is kind of cool. Um, England is leading the way. Hey, hey. We have Feardos in Winsford. Uh-oh. Bradford. Have they not listened to that episode yet? Uh, the Fear of England episode? <laughs> Uh, Winsford, Bradford, Leeds, and London. Um, and then in Scotland, someone has been listening from my new favorite town in the entire world, New Cumnock. Yes, you heard that right. New Cumnock. You're the 13 year old in me just you're such a loves, juvenile. loves the dirty name of your town. So if you're listening from New Cumnock, please, uh, I'm sure it's like New Cumnock or something like that, but uh, new it's, it's new fantastic. It's spelled. It's spelled C-U-M-N-O-C-K, which is just a beautiful spelling for, for a, a, a dirty town. Beautiful. Reach out. Say dirty hello. Dirty old town. Oh, that's Irish. That's not Feardo from Come Knocked. Dirty old town. Come knocking at our messenger. Hopefully you're a Pokes fan. Um, Canada, we have Feardos in St. Therese in Quebec and uh, also <gasps> oh, in Quebec. In Quebec. I heard the fishing's great in Quebec. In Quebec. Uh, and in Montreal as well. Uh, plus in St. John's and Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah. That's hey. Fun. Um, also, we have listeners in Germany, Australia, Brazil, Sweden, Saudi Arabia, Belgium, Ireland, Mexico, Philippines, Albania, Kazakhstan, Ghana, Colombia, Turkey, Switzerland, and Thailand. Dang, I love all of that. That's Thank pretty fucking you. Sweet. Yeah, it's really cool. Worldwide so, Feardo presence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, if, if, if you're international and please reach out to us on social media and just let us know where you're listening from. Cause that's super cool. And we would love to, you know, I don't know, get to know you and find out what you think of the podcast. That'd be super fun. Getting to know you. Keep going. No, come on. Mm -mm. Come on. That's all you get. 
Um, and if you're listening from anywhere in the United States, um, we would love to hear from you as well. So we would love to build this little Feardo community. It's really cool. So uh, thank you for listening, guys, and we appreciate it. Um, also, local Feardos, Reno friends, which we know there's a whole shit ton of you guys too. Um, and we appreciate all of our friends that listen um, here in Reno. Uh, come out to Sinister Sunday's Horror Movie Night, guys. It's really fun. It's at 8 p.m. every Sunday at Taste of Chicago in downtown Reno. Um, and we always have Chris behind the bar. Um, Chris or I, one is behind the bar, um, bartending for the night, kind of guest bartending for the evening. Uh, and then we have food and drink specials, and it's a blast. Don't you have fun at Horror Movie Night? Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's cool. And it's been kind of going up and down. It's like one week we'll have like, 15 people and then one week we'll have like five and then one week we'll have 15 and then one week we have five. So we would love to get a consistent group of like Reno horror fans out to watch fun horror movies. And this week, this Sunday, I'm going to try to get this podcast out early this week, maybe tomorrow or even tonight. Uh, It's Saturday right now. Um, So this Sunday, June 9th, we're going to watch the OG Friday the 13th. OG. The original, the original gangsta, the first one. We're going to kick off. It's going to uh, be a bloody, bloody night. We're going to kick off your summer at Camp Crystal Lake, man. Yep. I think that's a good way to do it. Why not? High body count. It is. It is. As, as, uh, is it, is it Mahler? Mahler. That always says that Jason's the best because of his body count. Yeah. Mary Mahler, uh, her favorite is Jason, but, uh, Gnarly Naylor's favorite, obviously, is Freddie. And so I actually have a necklace with both Jason and Freddie. I just realized I was showing you my what the fears. Oh, I haven't been looking. Yeah, I'm sorry. whatever. <laughs> my notes. I just printed out my notes for the first time because I always just do it off the. Computer. Oh my gosh, you're such a butt. Now I'm convinced that you're I have spot. been. You just, you just, you just cheated your way through what the fear. Dude, I didn't have to cheat the last two times, and I did really. That's right, because good. I have such excellent hints. <laughs> man, they're so good. Why are you such a narcissist? It's my thing, man. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a thing. Mine is mild narcissism. That's true. It's a good thing. Are you ready for what I'm, the fear? I am so ready. You play? Yeah. All right, let's do it. It's time da, da, da. for da, the da, world's da. greatest da, 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 phobia-based da. trivia game. What the fear? You say it now. What the fear? There you go. Okay, you have to say it like that. All right, it's time for that... That phobia-based trivia game that makes ooh, ooh. that makes Vanna White pee just a little. Just a little. No, just I think little. that was you know from her children. Yeah, Pro- probably because she's getting up there in age a little bit. No, she's a vampire. She's like seventy-five, I think. She's a vampire. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, her and Pat Sajak. Yeah. And our friend Robert. Yeah. <laughs> and along with her friend Robert, um, he's fifty and looks like he's like thirty. Yeah. It's not fair. It's wrong. Although he is crotchety like a fifty-year-old. <laughs> So are you. That's hey, you know, I like it that way. Uh, what the fear? What the fear? What the fear? What the fear? It's time. It's time to play. Let's are you, do are you this. ready? Are you ready to learn Let's about phobias? We're gonna learn about phobias. We're gonna give some hints, and then you gotta guess. I can't wait. You gotta for your guess hints. what the phobia is gonna be. I cannot wait. For your or what hints. the uh, what the phobia is. So I'm gonna give you a phobia. I'm gonna give you some hints about that phobia, or a hint about that phobia, and then you gotta guess what it is. You got it. I'm on it. Even though you already cheated. I didn't cheat. Totally You cheated. know I can't see that far. Totally cheated. Anyone you get right now, it's 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 already been it's protested. I am protesting. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Whatever makes you happy, darling. Oh, are you ready? Yeah. First one is xyrophobia. Xyrophobia. X Y R O phobia. X Y R O phobia. Okay, what's xyrophobia? Are you ready for your hints? Yeah. All right. A male xyrophobic might be a prime candidate to win one of those sweet hipster beard competitions. And might need to find a partner. Well, not. I'm sorry. Just a xyrophobic. No male. Forget the male part. A xyrophobic might be a prime candidate to win one of those sweet hipster beard competitions. And might need to find a partner who's into the hirsute fetish. A male xyrophobic might be a prime candidate to win one of those sweet hipster beard competitions and might need to find a partner who's into the hirsute fetish. What's a hirsute? Hirsute. Well, I'm not going to give you what it means because that's part of the hint. Well, you have to. No, I don't. You you, you should know these things. <laughs> uh, let's go with the fear of beards. Well, I said beard in the hint, so that can't be right. That can't be right. Fear of... Um, fear of... Barber shears, clippers. Ooh, much closer, much closer. I'll fear let you. I'll let you keep guessing because you're, you're, you're along of, the same lines. Fear of cutting your hair. Very close. The correct answer is the fear of razors. 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 So it's probably a little closer to our eichmophobia, uh, fear of sharp objects. Right. It necessarily is about the hair cutting. It's more about the razors. Itself. Sure. Okay. Um, but I would say most of the time that's probably going to show itself with, with your shaving, right? I mean, that's when we're using our, our, our razors most of the time. What's um, okay. Can you please tell me about the hirsute? The hirsute, hirsute fetish? means hairy, hairy fetish. Yeah. You know, it's the ones with the, you know, when, when they got the, the big bushes and does it don't also, shave their legs. Does it also include armpit, armpits, hair, yeah, everything. arm hair, all yeah. that stuff? It's just a hair fetish, man. Huh. People who are into the hairy chicks. Interesting. Yeah, I'm so, sure. I'm, it's it's same way with uh, with 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 women. I'm sure. I'm sure if if the 1970s uh, Playboy spread of Burt Reynolds makes you just a little tingly on your insides, <laughs> you probably have a hirsute fetish. Maybe because that dude was one hairy motherfucker. <laughs> he was pretty hairy. No, I'm good. <laughs> You're not a fan. You're not a big fan of hair. That's okay. You don't I like respect the chest people. Hair or the back I respect hair. people who like it. You don't like a good. You don't not like a fam. good carpet of back hair uh, to okay. run your hands through. No, I'm no, okay. You, you don't want to. You don't want to fluff up the hair into a little pillow so you can lay your head on it. Oh no, thank you. <laughs> I only want to do that with a dog's hair. Ew. All right. Our second phobia. Thassophobia. Thassophobia. Thassophobia? T H A A S O phobia. Thassophobia. Thassophobia. <laughs> Shut up. I'm having fun. Thasophobia. 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 Could be. Very possibly. All right. You ready? It's like, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. You done messed up, A.A. Sophobic. Hey, ASO. You done messed up the AAA syphobic? Okay. All right. You won't need to pull up a chair for a thasophobic. They'll just be hovering and making everyone uncomfortable. Fear of sitting. That is correct. Well yeah. done. 
Hey, we didn't practice that. That was fun. Cheater. You're a cheater. You totally saw that one. Yeah. You're like, I'll just I'll just guess one of them, right? So he doesn't know that I'm cheating. So like unlike you to make it a little bit like I don't use this to improve my own Your self-esteem. Self-esteem. I I beg to differ. I bet you all week long you're like, man, I just wish I could kill it on What the Fear. Yeah, that's totally what I spent my time on. Well, we saw what I did with What the Fear in the first 15 episodes. So. Yeah. Oh, I got a Twitter notification. It made the, the speaker buzz. I should probably put my phone away. All right. Fear of sitting. Face of phobia. You ready for your last one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Get it. Cellophobia. Cellophobia, S-E-L-A, phobia, cellophobia. It's my hint. All right, your hint is no raves or haunted houses for a cellophobic. In fact, probably won't be taking their picture at night either. No raves or haunted houses for a cellophobic. In fact, won't be probably won't be taking their picture at night either. Fear of flashing lights or strobe that lights. That is correct. Fear of light flashes. <laughs> I'm really good at connecting the dots that you make. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. That hey, was what fun. fun is a game show where you can't where you can't I get know. Right answers, High right? five. Well good done. job. Well done. Feardos, let us know if you got any of those correct uh, or what some of your creative answers might have been. Yeah. For like thiasophobia. The- the aasophobia. The aasophobia. The aasophobia. All right. All right. Are you ready to move into this wonderful phobia that yeah, we've been researching all week long? Let's do it. I'm pretty excited about this one. I think this one's this one's going to be really interesting because I'm a big I'm a big virus and germ movie guy. Like I love you that. love the contamination. I love the movies. contamination apocalyptic. Virus Why movies. do you think that is? Why I, do you like them so much? Well, we'll get into that. I think because because from a very early age, like I really that, that those were books that like I don't know if I just stumbled on them or what happened, but but uh, the movie we're going to be talking about today really had an impact on me as a kid, huh? For sure. So, um, but you know, and I and I'm I'm not a I'm not a germaphobe myself, and I know, but I, I've known some people over the years um, who are pretty gnarly uh, germaphobes. But we're also going to find out about what the difference is between like OCD and 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 this type of phobia. Um, mysophobia is also called ger- germaphobia is kind of a common vernacular for for it. But there's also like vermit vermitophobia, verminophobia, bacilliophobia, bacilliophobia. There's a number of names for it, um, but mysophobia seems to be the over. Arching one. It's the one that, one that we're going to use for today. Yeah. Well, it looks like that's the one that, that most of the time you type in germaphobe, that's what pops up. When you right. type in like these other phobias, that's the one that pops up. So it must be the one that's clinically used the most to describe it. Um, so let's dive right in to our phobia for today. Mysophobia, the fear of germs or contamination. Mysophobia, the fear of germs, uh, the fear of contamination. That's the that's kind of the, the general idea, right? The fear of uncleanliness, you know, and it's it's that really intense fear of specifically just that and things related to that. So I want to point out that folks often kind of overgeneralize and they say if they do 
some if they clean their house, they're so OCD. OCD, right? Yeah, I think OCD. they're from LA, <laughs> right? LA. Um, but that that's not OCD. OCD is a compulsion to act as a result of anxiety produced by intrusive, repetitive, obsessive thoughts about something. So give right? me an example. So for example, uh, so my, you're mom, Howie Mandel. my mom's going to die <laughs> if I don't check the locks 10 times exactly before I leave. There's this intense, obsessive, intrusive, which means it's really difficult to stop it from coming into your mind and to stop that loop from happening. It's almost like a, like a fear response gone haywire a little bit. Um, and so these different actions um, help to alleviate the anxiety associated with those intrusive thoughts. So they become kind of the output for those intrusive thoughts. So, so, so step on a crack, break your mother's back may have originated with somebody who was legitimately OCD that literally thought if they stepped on a crack, they will break their mother's back. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> they feel so they know that it's irrational. Too. Like, you know, folks who struggle with OCD uh, really do understand that it's irrational, but they are so driven by the um, the the compulsion to act. They're driven to relieve that anxiety somehow because we all know how uncomfortable anxiety is. Right. So that's OCD. Um, so, th so they do the things they do those things. They they check the doorknob 10 times. Right. To relieve that anxiety. To relieve that thing as a head. result of they the obsessive like compulsive, that. as a result of the obsessive thoughts, they do a compulsive act, right? So that's why it's called obsessive compulsive disorder. So I'm going to turn the lights off and on five times before I go to bed. Because just... that means I'll be safe when I go to sleep. Hmm. Because I've got this anxiety about going to sleep, maybe. But they may still understand that that's... <laughs> That that's completely it has nothing to do with it, but but they just have to do it. It's it has it gives them an opportunity to put their anxiety somewhere and to relieve themselves of their anxiety. So it's it's truly a mechanism for coping with obsessive thoughts. So explain the difference between so so OCD, right? We often think people who wash their hands compulsively or whatever are OCD. But that's not necessarily the case. Well, it could be a, a big proponent of their obsessive. So it could behaviors. be a combination of the two. So these two could work in. in yeah. In you know, we could see OCD in, uh, we could see, excuse me, uh, misophobia in OCD, you know, right? We could misophobia. see that. Misophobia. Excuse me. Um, not misophobia. It's not, it's not the fear of delicious uh, soup. Not, not um, misophobia. Not miso. Misophobia. Misophobia. Um, so with. Um, Mysophobia is a specific preoccupation with contamination that only includes things regarding contamination. So the actions are as a result of the thoughts about and the anxiety about possible contamination. Um, so those are the obsessive thoughts, right? Whereas with obsessive compulsive disorder, there's often several compulsive acts related to obsessive thoughts that comprise all of these behaviors. So for instance, Howie Mandel has severe obsessive compulsive disorder. He does have a branch of germophobia, right? Where he does acts like he won't touch people's hands. Right. He'll he fist hand. bump. He won't shake hands. He'll he fist bump, give hugs. you know, yeah. yeah. Everything's very sterile, but he also has uh, repetitive checking and um, locking actions that he does um, as a mechanism to relieve his anxiety as well. And he's very aware of his symptomology and his actions, but it's 
a very tough cycle to break when it's something that kind of discharges all of that anxiety that you feel. So that's OCD, which can have, again, that subcomponent of germophobia or mysophobia. Mysophobia has to have just singularly the focus on contamination, contamination. fears, right? So much so that the clinician can't identify anything else that could be, you know, as a result um, of this behavior. You know, it couldn't be that they're genuinely afraid because they have MRSA in the house, right? Somebody came to their house that, and they have MRSA or they have bed bugs, right? right. Something is so there's not legitimately, there's not something legitimate going something, something going on that they are really fearful of. If right. you know, actual contamination occurred around us, like they live in Kenya and they're right. surrounded by Ebola. Right. You know, things like <laughs> which that. Would, which would genuinely be totally. like, okay, well, okay, that's a legitimate fear. So right? you don't have a phobia in that respect. You have a legitimate fear um, of something that could potentially kill you or deeply harm you. Um, it's when the fear goes beyond what is reasonable and expected um, of the circumstances. So, for instance, trying to eradicate all traces of germs or bacteria from every surface, which we touch 300 surfaces every 30 minutes, the average adult. Every 30 minutes, 300 surfaces. How is that even possible? Wait a minute. Think like, about everything you're touching right now. It's so like my legs. Your my, legs, your arms. Every paper, time you reach here, book, everything. Glass. Okay. Every 30 minutes. Wow. 300 objects. So try and imagine the anxiety buildup of feeling as though your entire world has. Let's see. What's something that crawling. grosses you out? Um. Like just makes your skin crawl. I mean, I, I would, I don't know something specific, but like I can just imagine seeing, seeing everything is almost moving and living and, and yes. crawling, you know, in your head yeah. as you're touching it, you know? So when I think about what, what spiders, mysophobias, what mysophobics could be going through, I think of how I felt when I was in like seventh grade and I got lice and I just Ooh. felt constantly disgusting unclean. and unclean. And I, I feared seeing one of them again because it was so disgusting to me and everything around me could potentially have one. And so I have to imagine that, but on a scale that's so much more magnified that it consumes my life for years on end and prevents me from doing even daily activities. Ugh, that's um, crazy. It, I, I can think of uh, like uh, maggots. You know, when you, when you, oh, yeah. when that, that thing, you know, you go into your kid's room and they've got a sandwich that's behind their Like I did the other day <laughs> after random. school ended. <laughs> kids are, kids are so gnarly when it comes to that stuff. Petri it's like, dishes. It's like you cannot, you can't put your lunch from school and just toss it behind your, your bed or your couch or in a corner somewhere. Like we're going to find leave it, it in a month and it's going to be covered in mold it's and maggots disgusting. and you know, whatever. So that, that kind of thing, right? When you find a piece of something in your, you know, maybe in the refrigerator way in the back or, yeah. or something that's been sitting out underneath something in the fruit bowl and then you lift it up and it's just all it's just nasty like, uh, and gnarly. And, but imagine know, that everywhere that you see that you somebody touch. could have touched or you touched after you touched something that somebody else touched. Let's think about, oh, what you go into the grocery store. We worked at a grocery store, right? We worked at Trader Joe's. How we many did. times was a That's can? Right. It's a love story. Ooh. Trader Joe's. Trader's a, a love, love story. story. 
on the next episode. <laughs> That's our other podcast. Um, it's before we became rich and famous. All the salacious stories. Um, but think of how many times before a customer got that can, how many times it was touched before that. Oh, yeah. And before it got on the truck, how mm -hmm. many times it was touched by someone. And before it got off the conveyor belt, you know, to keep put in the box. What about the money that they're handing us? I mean, that's exactly. like, like a thousand times more. I mean, that thing's probably been touched, you know, like a thousand times yeah. or who knows how many. ATM machines, gas machines, um, our cell phones, all incredibly soiled with bacteria and germs and laden with feces and fecal matter. Oh, fecal matter. Fecal Yay. matter. Do you remember when Oprah used to do those specials where it was it, she would talk about like she would bring in experts and they would talk about I think you stayed home from six how much, from how school much, way too much. <laughs> how much fecal matter was on the top of like a soda can? Yeah. And how much fecal matter was on like your toilet seat and like on your, you know, whatever, all that stuff. Um so explain to me what a misophobic view on the five second rule would be. <laughs> so, because you know, that's really important to me. I mean, you know, there the is, five no, second rule is, there a rule. is no five second rule with a, with a misophobic. It's, <laughs> they really struggle to differentiate between a dangerous and innocuous, you know, amount of germs, right? Because germs are everywhere. We are part of our, part of our living is encountering germs and illness and things like that so that our bodies can repair and become more resilient. Right. Germs are not a bad thing. No. Germs are not, are not a bad thing. And bacteria, bacteria is definitely not a bad, not a bad bacteria thing. Bacteria is a good thing, right? Dude, like one third of our, um, wait, let me see the statistic. I don't want to have a misnomer. Um, let's see. Bacteria make up one third of the weight of our intestines. Wow. So they play a pivotal role. One third of the weight? The weight wow. of our intestines. That's, right? that's really interesting because I wouldn't even have thought about that as being like something that so would have weight. The flora and the fauna down there are very important um, in our mental health too. The more and more they're studying it recently, uh, the more and more they're linking gut health to brain health. Right. Um, and it's very interesting how. Um, the fear of being sick can also like live inside of you too. You know, like that's, it's all, it's You're inside not of get you. Away from it. You can't, yeah, you know, really that's what I'm trying to say. Um, well, so. that's it. We, we talked about uh, this a lot with, with antibiotics because I know when, when Hank was little, he had a, he took a round of antibiotics, you know, and antibiotics are like a nuclear bomb inside your stomach. They blow up all right. the good bacteria, all the bad bacteria. And right. I learned a lot about gut health around that time we right. in the hospital for like four days. And the doctor's, couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then we put him, we went, we went and figured it out. We're like, wait a minute. He was on antibiotics like a month ago. Maybe we should get him a really strong probiotic. And all of a sudden he was like within hours, he was better. So our, our, our body, everything, bacteria is really important. Germs are very important. Right. Right. I mean, well, and every time we get sick, we build up a little more resilience. And so with mesophobes, it often perpetuates, mesophobes. I'm sorry. Mysophobes, mysophobes. Um, it often perpetuates their fear because when they do encounter an illness like a common cold, they become more anxious and more fearful and more determined to avoid that next time. But really, they're inhibiting their systems from becoming stronger in fighting against those things that are normal everyday things that we encounter. Um, so yeah, that's there's there's a lot of things that they can't go around. They can't, they, they won't 
go around animals. Um, they avoid physical contact. They avoid crowds and they especially avoid children, children because children yeah. are Petri dishes, Petri dishes of disease. Of disease. <laughs> and so you can see how this would be really difficult um, as a misophobe um, to misophobe, excuse me, misophobe, misophobe uh, to really misophobic. on a day-to-day basis exist. It, w- it would be just incredibly anxiety inducing. So I, you know, we all grew up with that, that one mom and, and my mom wasn't like this, although she was pretty hardcore about making sure everything was clean and sanitized all the time, but it wasn't so much sanitized as much as just cleaned. But we all knew that mom growing up, friend's mom or somebody that we knew that was just like ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. everything was bleached all the time. Everything was was constantly scrubbed down. It was, you know, hey, here, you know, use this sanitizing wipe. Use this, you know, this constant kind of fear, this over-sanitizing. And that's a problem too, right? Oh, I mean, big as, far, time. as far as your health, like that, that's not a good thing necessarily. Right. Like, um, you know, we think of hand washing. Hand washing is great at in at key times, right? When it's needed after handling raw meat. Like after you wipe your butt. After you know, fecal matter, you know, any if bodily after you th- fluids. After you, throw your, after you throw your poop against the wall. You know, those kinds of things. Anybody else do that? Bueller? Am I the only one? Um, Damn it. But if you wash your hands too frequently, you run the risk of infection because of dry cracked hands. So your body's naturally going to tell you like, Hey, yo, this is, this is too, too much. much. Right. Um, interesting. So you get cracked hands from, from over sanitizing and then right. you're inviting more, more, more things into your system because well, your, cra- your hands are cracked. And there's, there's a lot of fear of, um, things not being sterile. Right. So what happens if things are contaminated is really the fear of it. So they act out sterility as a means of controlling that anxiety about contamination. Wow. Um, but I mean, here's some fun facts about biology because I'm not a biologist. Uh, so I had to get these facts from somewhere. Do you play one on TV? But I play one on TV. Um, fun facts about biology from author Mary Roach's Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers. Um, she's the one that noted that bacteria make up a third of the weight of our intestines. Um, and she also provided some statistics courtesy of the University of Arizona microbiologist, Dr. Charles Gerber, um, who coincidentally gave his son the middle name Eschinchia, which is the E in E. coli. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nerdy. Wow, that's nerd. That is some serious nerd right there. Right. Um, so some of her research included... Um, Noted antibacterial products um, that have the biggest marketing coop since bottled water. So note that, right? There's a huge marketing coop going on with antibacterial products. Um, although most of them only specify the word germ. What is it? Like, is it a cootie? Is it a virus? Is it a bacteria? Like, it doesn't say. It just says germ. But like there's no such thing as germ. Be, right. Germ isn't really a thing. No, it's right? not a thing. It's not a thing. But antibacterial stuff really does not do a whole lot. So in a study from Dr. Elaine Larson at Columbia, um, also uh, noted by author Mary Roach, um, she said that they did some research on two households with at least one preschooler, um, one that used all antibacterial stuff and one that didn't uh, for 48 weeks. So that's a long time. 
Um, and at the end of it, or not at the end, throughout, they measured things like illness, um, symptoms of allergies, like all kinds of things. They measured it throughout from both families. Uh, and then they took the results and they figured out that uh, at the end of the study, it was about the same level of cold, flu, food poisoning symptoms as so no difference. no difference overall in the use of one antibacterial versus no antibacterial product. So, so it's all just marketing. It's all just marketing. Marketing coup. It's a gigantic marketing coup. So when we look at the data, that really kind of shows us the the shift. Hand washing is important at specific times again for sanitary reasons, but other than that, the more we interact with with viruses and um, bacteria and stuff, the better our immune system becomes with every illness. So again, not a, not a, a biologist here, but there was one case of misophobia, strictly misophobia. Damn it. Misophobia. Yeah, every time I look at you, I say misophobia because of that face you made. Misophobia. Okay. Misophobia Miso as a result of Misophobia. a brain tumor. Um, once they removed oh, really? the brain tumor, um, the mysophobia resolved entirely. And this was a woman who was spending over $1,000 a month in cleaning supplies. Wow. $1,000 a month in cleaning. Wow. Right? Um, so I'd cases, say that's, that's a little better than the chick who just liked to eat Comet. Right. I mean, that's not good for you. So cases of OCD, <laughs> you know, often are found in, in traumatic brain injuries. Brain you, just smoothed, wait, you just smoothed right over that. What? Don't I you did. remember that episode? I know. The laundry detergent and Comet where she just liked to eat it. Oh, it yes. Like the strange, the strange, what is that show called? Strange, My Strange Addiction. My Strange Addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember that. <laughs> Just breezed right over that. Sorry, sorry. I, was I mean, focused. it's better to spend a thousand dollars a month on cleaning products than than eating cleaning products. I guess that was my point. That's true. Either way, <laughs> it's the less left hemisphere action. With my these goal kind is to of, throw you off your game. I know, and you are. Um, she gets so stuck to her notes, folks. She just gets she gets her glasses on and she just gets right into her notes. Shut up. Which I love. It's great. But I'm throwing you. I got. I got to throw throw a little wrench in there every now and then. <laughs> Well, also to, to be of note with this misophobic as a result of the brain tumor, she also had kind of a personality disorder diagnosis. So there's some things also to consider there. Um, but overall living with the fear of germs or contamination or uncleanliness or, um, you know, any of those things would be so so debilitating to your everyday life what's the most extreme i mean that's obviously an example of an extreme right thousand dollars a month in cleaning products right um i would suspect that would also come with some health hazards as well right Absolutely. being around cleaning products that much and being like inhaling inhaling them. them and constantly having them around we know that they're you know they have a place but they don't they're they're not you well know, and they're probably the not things. going outside much because they're fearing things in the air that they can't see you know there's a lot of concerns i feel i feel the anxiety right now like just talking about all of this stuff that they would have to think about yeah. um when managing this kind of anxiety like public restrooms, right? We know those people who can't go into a public restroom or, or cannot go to the bathroom anywhere but home. At home. Home. Right? And and sometimes it's germs, sometimes it's 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 more of like a space thing or a personal whatever um deal, but like myself, I, I really don't care. 
Like I, I can plop my ass down on a toilet seat in a, in a you can brown anywhere. I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It literally doesn't bother me one bit. And it, I laugh at people that it bothers. I think it's really funny that it's, that it's a weird thing for people. Cause I'm like, who cares? You know, um, am I disgusting? Probably. Yes. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't bother me like at all. Um, I don't use the little seat cover because they've proven that that does nothing. Nope. Um, so, you know, it just doesn't bother me. I don't hover, you know, I know girls all hover. Um, but, but I know people who literally cannot, they, they, they cannot go anywhere, but at home or anywhere, but you know, they cannot use a public restroom. Um, and I understand they're nasty, but are they that much nastier than the, the bathroom at a fancy restaurant? Probably not that much more. Probably not, considering, you know, you know it's still just human. Or your beings. bathroom at home. Oh, your bathroom at home is disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it's all over your toothbrush, folks. Yeah. It's, we, if, we've learned that. Oprah taught us that. If There's your fecal toothbrush matter on your toothbrush. is anywhere near your toilet. Yep. Yep. It's all over it. But so the thing with uh, misophobe, too. Misophobe. I'm never going to get misophobia. this. Misophobia. Misophobia. Okay. I got to do it like that. <laughs> Misophobics. Um, the the thing with this is, um, again, it kind of perpetuates and builds on itself. Um, so they use the sanitary items and then they get sick, right? And then they use more and more sanitary items. Um, so like, we need, I need to use more. I've got to, right. Gotta, Cause I've obviously gotta I gotta get more of this. Stuff. I'm not right. Um, and it can actually cause a physiological response with actual no virus or symptomology, like no physio physical symptomology associated with it. So no virus, no bacteria, right? But you can still experience symptoms. So the anxiety actually can produce symptoms. So, so does it lead to like hypochondriac type behaviors or things like that where people are so, they're so concerned about germs that they think they're sick all the time or they think that they're contaminated or they think that they're. So that's, it's like OCD versus hypochondria versus mesophobia, right? Mysophobia. So they're all mesophobia. <sighs> they're all kind of on this, like, <laughs> sorry, I'm just correcting every okay, time. I know. <laughs> they're kind of on this like totem pole of anxiety. Right. Um, and so hypochondria, hypochondriacs fear, the disease or becoming ill, right? They don't fear the germs associated with becoming ill or the contamination and becoming ill. They they fear becoming ill by any means. Wow. So by growing old, by um, any sort of pain is automatically so it's cancer. You know, it's a tumor, um, right? Uh, so they really um, have more of an obsession with the germs causing an illness than anything else. So with hypochondriacs um, and with mesophobics, you can see this intense physical mysophobics. <laughs> now you just laughed at me. I didn't want to correct again. Mysophobics. You can see it's this. It's going to get annoying in the episode. I know. I'm sorry. Um, not, not you, me. <laughs> Everybody else is like, just let her fucking talk. So yeah. But it's just funny because I just, I want to say, I want to say it like Jar Jar. I like it. So for example, this like anxiety causing a, a physical response, right? Let's take, for instance, the time I was flying home from college on an airplane and I had brought my cat Autumn with me and I had stowed her in a crate underneath my seat front in front of me and she had 
been perfectly quiet the whole entire flight. And I was sitting in the middle seat between this woman and this man who was asleep the whole time. And we make it the whole four and a half hour flight from Louisiana to Reno. And on descent, Autumn starts meowing. And she goes, oh my God, is that a cat? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a cat. She's like, I am allergic. I am so allergic to cat. (laughs) It's been on the flight for what, two hours, three hours? No, 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 like four, four and a half (laughs) hours from Lafayette. And I was like, woman, you have been breathing the same recycled air as that pussy down there. You're fine. (laughs) But she was so convinced that she like made her own nose run and like flagged over the um, flight attendants and made this on descent. descent. Like, what are they going to do on descent? Wait 10 minutes. You've already been there. But the flight attendant didn't say, um, hello, you've been with this cat for four hours. I know. God bless flight attendants and their patients. But anyways, so yeah, that's this. Although cats are from the devil and they are terrible. We did learn that. they do make your head explode. Yes. Um, And there is a connection with that episode and this episode too, (laughs) which we'll get to soon as well. So those are all really my fun facts. Um, if you have misophobia, great. Misophobia? Ad- Sorry, I did it again. <laughs> um, if you have misophobia, definitely don't see me. Um, you know, maybe go see someone for response and prevention therapy, which kind of uh, decreases anxiety um, in enacting a ritual so that it, you don't allow yourself to enact the ritual. You just kind of sit and experience the anxiety, but in a safe manner. Um, you know, combo of therapy and meds like um, SSRIs or antidepressants are helpful with managing those kinds of things in the short term. Um, But really cognitive restructuring, relaxation training, um, and education about biology um, and what you can and can't escape. Maybe it'll make it more worse. I don't know. It might make it worse, actually. Going to the Arco bathroom and doing your meditation and yoga. Do not lick the toilet seat in the Arco bathroom. That won't help cure you? it will not. No? No. You will get very ill. That's just ill-advised. Don't do that. Go to the middle of Maybe just like go to it a little bit, but like with your therapist. Go to the dump. Go to the dump and do all of your yoga uh, and your your meditation techniques so that you can surround yourself. Do not lick a urinal cake. No urinal cakes? You'll be forever unclean. Forever unclean. Forever unclean. They've been marinating forever. Roxanne was kind of a germaphobe. He was a little bit of a germaphobe. Yeah, in the league. Yeah. Yeah. FX is the league. Good show. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey, I want to talk about our movies. Do you want to talk about our movies? I do. We have a lot of movies. Well, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, we're going to do a full honorable mention today. We're going to do a full feature presentation. We got a lot of movies that we need to mention. Yeah. That are just side. We, we considered making this a two-part episode, which we might do at some point in the future, but I think we're just too lazy to do a two-part episode. Um, cause that's a lot of, that's just a lot of one topic and we, we get attention deficit disorder. You don't want to edit that much. Well, I don't, I wouldn't want to do it all in one sitting. I would want to do two separate episodes, but just on the same topic. Right. Um, because there's a lot to talk about here about germs and, you know, the black plague and the bubonic plague and, 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 you know, fever and all the historical aspects of this, of this type of thing. So right? much I mean, talking. So much stuff, you know? Um, but we won't, we won't dive into all of that. We'll, we'll, uh, maybe we'll get into a little bit of that as we get into our movies, but let's go ahead and, uh, we'll transition into our, our, uh, movies and we'll start off with our honorable mentions. 
So we got lots of fun virus type movies. What's up first? There's lots of them. There's lots of there's lots of them. So coming down with coming up with the ones we were going to coming choose, down with them is coming down with it. them coming up with them because uh, it's de- a virus. Deciding deciding which ones to do was was really hard because honestly it, it really is one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite horror genres. I really love and not just horror genres but like dramas and anything that deals with with like world ending virus you know outbreaks and things like apocalyptic. that apocalyptic I, I think they're really fun i've always really liked them it's a subgenre of of movies that i really enjoy so what is so fun about them what why do you enjoy them so much i don't know i was going to talk about this later but but the you know when we get into our feature presentation which is the stand um which is you know which was a mini series you know based on stephen king's book obviously i had read stephen king's the stand and Another book called Swan Song, right around the same time uh, when I was about 13, 14 years old. Ah, puberty. And I just, I really got into them. Like, I was really into those books. And and I think... It's like the first adult books that you're actually able to read and, like, understand. Yeah, and the, and the miniseries came out that same year. So, I must have been 13 because I read the book first. I'm pretty sure I read the first... Maybe I read the book after the miniseries. Because the miniseries came out in 94. And... It had a big impact on me, just like the It miniseries did, you know, but, um, but, uh, move my cell phone so I don't get any interference. Um, but yeah, for, for some reason, those, those, those types of movies just have always been, I've always, always loved resonated them. with you. So I have a bunch of honorable mentions that we'll talk about. Um, we'll, we'll focus on one of them, but, uh, but I wanted to throw these out there just in case you hadn't seen them. Or you've never seen this one in particular. The Crazies from 1973, I had never seen before. Um, it's a George Romero movie um, that they just remade in 2010 with Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant. Oh. Which, which you're a fan oh. of. Um, Timothy. Oh. Are you done? Yep. Are you done? You, oh. Do you need a moment? Do you need, do you need, a, do you need, I need a towel? Do you need a quiet? I'm just kidding. <laughs> A towel from all that, all that. Phew, I'm sweating. Yes. Um, all that splooshing. Yes, sploosh. So George Romero um, did this movie in 1973, which was kind of ahead of its time. I mean, as a lot of his stuff kind of was uh, about, a, a, you know, it was, it was a pretty cliche kind of movie theme now. But I think back then it was. It was, it was pretty cutting edge and it was a government tested contagion finds its way into the water supply. It's always government. Yeah. It's always government. And a lot of them are like surrounding, you know, government and, and, and the stand was too. A, lots of them are. I mean, think about all, all the, you know, it's always government testing or, or some sort of, uh, bio warfare, yeah. bio warfare, right? scientific yeah. analysis, always something like that finds its way into the water supply of a small town in, in the crazies. And then of course, you know, chaos ensues. the, the army descends and, 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 you know, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, makes them all stay in one place where they can't get contains out. them. Well, no, the other word confines them. No, it puts them in, uh, secludes them. <laughs> There's another word that I'm looking for. Um, it's going to drive me crazy. We got to figure this out right now. Um, when you're put into a place where you, 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 when you're sick and and you're, you can't get out and quarantine. (laughs) Thank you for nothing. (laughs) 
Thank you for nothing but looking at me. Like I, I gave you like six options to rule out. And they were all wrong. <laughs> that led so they to quarantine the right they quarantine these towns and then and then you know then it's the then it's the civil rights versus you know versus the government. The government talks about you know nuking the city to get rid of it and all that stuff. So check out the crazies 1973, George Romero. Um it's on it's on a bunch of apps on Roku. I noticed it was on quite a few for free. Um, and then the new one is on, I believe it's on Netflix, um, nice. which is basically just a remake. I need to watch that. Um, and I it did was not actually, get a chance. It was pretty good. It wasn't bad. It Timothy. was a good remake. Uh. <laughs> 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 Make sure to have all the towels handy for you. <laughs> I'll, f- I'll have some things to fan yourself. <laughs> Lord, I got the vapors. I got, got the vapors. The vapors. Timothy Oliphant. Oh, the vapors. man. We got to watch the new Deadwood movie, too, on HBO. It's out. That's also got Timothy Oliphant. <sighs> Which, you didn't say which right. also reminds me of, of of why Netflix is a giant bunch of bastards because they can't sustain a Korea diet, which also Boo. Netflix is a giant bunch of bastards. Hashtag. Um, but okay, outside of those, outside of the crazies, we gotta talk about you, you know, outbreak uh from the mid-90s, which would I was that was showed one that of my in like high school. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. In biology. Loved that one. Contagion, which came out in 2011. I am legend. Uh, World oh, War. Oh, the dog dies in that one. Oh my gosh. World War Z. <laughs> uh, 12 Monkeys, another one. Yeah. Um, Doomsday, which came out in 2008. Uh, Cronenberg Shivers and Rabid both deal with you know viruses of, of one kind or another. Um, Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, another one that deals with water supply, you know, which right which, contamination of the um, water supply. So there's a lot. And and there's a hard, it's kind of was hard for me to kind of decide on what movies to do because there's the virus that gets into like your blood. Right. And creates, then there's the air creates zombies. Right. right. There's a lot of zombie virus movies. Like all of our virus movies are, all of our zombie movies are typically virus movies for the most part. Right. They somehow they become zombies and it spreads. To right. People. Um, and then there's the like flu like symptom type movies. Right. Where people get just sick, like with the flu, but then all of a sudden everybody's dead. Yeah. Right? Like the super flus. Um, so mass extinction. So I decided to do one of each. Right. So our honorable mention for today um, is going to be the zombie, the zombie type, which um, to me, it was one. It was a really it was a really unique movie. It was a really unique zombie movie. And it was kind of ahead of its it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways and influenced a lot of of movies that came after it, um, which is why I wanted to mention it a little bit more in depth. And that is 2002's. 28 days later. Something in the blood. 
You never go anywhere alone unless you've got no choice. Hello? Directed by Daniel Boyle, uh, who did Train Spotting. Uh, he did Slumdog Millionaire. Um, great movies. I love Train Spotting too. That was one of my favorite movies when I was in like college. You didn't say it right. It's Millionaire. Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Um, and it stars Killian Murphy, um, who plays, uh, he's Tommy Shelby on Peaky Blinders. So if you've been watching that show at all, um, that guy, he's also Scarecrow. In uh, Dark Knight. Yeah. Which is the really one you, cool. you recognized him from. Yeah, right? I did. So what that's was my you, favorite of the Batman. Let me read the let me read the little the little uh, synopsis of this one and then I want to hear what you thought of it because you watched this one for the first time. I did. Um, so let me read the the synopsis of 28 Days Later. Uh, a group of misguided animal rights activists free a caged chimp infected with the rage virus from a medical research lab. When London bike courier Jim, played by Killian Murphy, wakes up from a coma a month after, 28 days later, he finds his city all but deserted. On the run from the zombie-like victims of the rage, Jim stumbles upon a group of survivors, including Selena, played by Naomi Harris, and cab driver Frank, uh, played by Brendan Gleeson, and joins them on a perilous journey to what he hopes will be safety. So what do you think of, of 28 Days Later? What was your, your first impressions? My first impression, I could sum up in one phrase, uh, and that's from Hudson, who also watched yeah. this movie with he us. He watched a little bit of it with us, yeah. He did. Um, and, our, and it was eight-year-old. And it was when they the animal rights activists were fighting off the scientist who was screaming at them, like they're infected. Don't do it. Don't release them. They're going to, they're infected. And you know? Hudson sitting on the couch said, what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Should have listened to the scientist. Should have listened to the scientist. No, it's not endorsing. It's not endorsing testing on chimpanzees. No, but also if but they say that it's infected, you should probably, yeah, probably handle with care. Yeah, yeah. Don't open the cage. Not handle smart. with care. Um, which I love. I love. I love the ones that always begin with like the monkeys, like Outbreak did yeah. too, right? Outbreak and, and well, twelve monkeys and the, it's the always like that. Oh man, like you did that really? You done did that? You done did that? Hey, Aaron. You had some trouble, A.A. Ron. Um, yeah. Whenever that happens, whenever you see the the chimp comes out, you know that the, the, there's going to be problems. And actually, I love the way this movie starts. It starts with the chimp, like, strapped to the bed, which is really sad. Watching, but, but like... they're having him, like, watch all of these disaster stuff. Right? So they're doing testing on him, like, psychological testing, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? To see what what things pop up or or maybe that's part of how they created the virus. I don't know. But but this this... Chimp is like watching all of these apocalyptic type events on a, on multiple screens. So it's kind right. of a foreshadow of like what was going to actually happen, which was mass hysteria and, and total destruction. Things, right. So 
the chimp attacks one of the animal rights activists. She, the, the rage virus goes into effect within like 20 seconds. So it's instantaneous. It so hits pretty hard. It goes hard. And then all of a sudden the zombie is created, which there's a lot of debate about whether these are zombies or not. You know, that they're, they're, they're called the infected. Um, and is so it a human? Th there's a debate about whether they're zombies or if they're, you know, whatever, whatever they are. It's a human body with a virus soul. Are, I mean, are they dead or are they, see, are they dead that have come back to life or are they just infected and become ravenous? Kind of like rabies. Right. So because there are, we're dead people too. So there's people who just died. Right. But then there's people who were infected that are running around and going going nuts and they die of starvation. So are they really zombies because they they die of starvation, right? So they're not dead already. They're right. they're alive. They're just they're not undead. they're just super fucked up. Right. Right. So they're so they're not That's the undead point. coming back to life. So but they're zombie like, right? And and then there's a then there's people who say, well, and that they also give credit to this movie as kind of introducing the fast zombie, which you know, some people look back to like Return of the Living Dead, and there's been right. a few others where the zombies aren't like super slow and lumbering, but but you know, as far as like just super speedy, crazy, fast zombies, like this is a pretty. This was these guys are kind of scary fast. Yeah, they're super super fast, and they're athletes. And World War Z really, um, you know, really market. You know, this was the zombies that World War Z. You know, Max Brooks and those guys that they really modeled after for sure right i mean this was the these were the, the, the super fast zombies yeah i mean in, in world war z remember they were crawling all yeah. over up, up over the the the, the fences and yeah. um so definitely kind of takes off that right and we we see where you know uh a lot of you know so after after the chimp infects the the the, the animal rights activist chick mm -hmm. We see Jim waking up in the hospital. Nobody's around, right? Which is very similar to like Walking Dead and a lot of these, right? A lot of these movies that came after had that that same kind of thing where you had you had this this person waking up and the world has changed. 28 days later, right? The world is nuts, London is deserted. Nothing's the same. Um he walks around the hospital and nobody's there. Alone. Yeah, he thinks he's alone now. It doesn't seem to be anyone around except for Tiffany. Tiffany's there singing that song. Um, and then he goes outside and he's wandering around and still like nothing. London's deserted. Right. Um, filming for this was kind of cool because they, they shut down certain parts of the city for them to film uh, from like 4 a.m. to like 7 a.m. on on a on Sundays, oh, so that people that was awful. I bet were just there was nobody around, but they had to close down certain streets too, like for him to walk down the middle of like highways and bridges and things like that. And uh, and in order for them to to get to not piss off like traffic, because people would have to wait Drivers for like a, for like an hour, you know, and like wouldn't be able to like turn around. They'd have to just sit and wait. They they had uh, super hot chicks out telling the drivers that they had to, that they had to, to wait. And, and apparently it worked. Them? Apparently it worked. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Apparently. Uh, so anyway, so then he meets up with these other survivors uh, and then they, they go, th you know, it's kind of that same, we, we've seen this trope before, right. right? They go through, they find another, a, a daughter and a, and a father who are up in an apartment. They team up with them. Uh, meanwhile, they're fighting off, you know, these zombie creatures every now and then. And, and then, you know, we finally get to, uh, the place where you're just talking about, I don't know if 
where the eye where the yeah the blood the blood drops into the eye of 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 the father and then he turns infected infected and that's a really cool scene um and then we go into this weird end of the movie where they're at with these military dudes who are all a bunch of assholes um and then it it just kind of goes you know kind of goes bonkers from there super um but finally at the end you've got you know you've got jim and naomi uh, well, uh, uh, Stella was her name. What was her name? Stella. Uh, Selena, Selena and Jim. So Selena, Jim and the little girl mm-hmm. are the only ones left and they end up going out in the country and getting help. And at the very end of the movie, they're rescued by a, there's a jet that flies by. And I think we're supposed to assume that that's the U S military because in 28 weeks later, the U S military has moved in and created like, a safe zone, safe zone. right? Okay. Um, which we see in the sequel. Right. So great movie, you know, really unique, um, kind of has handheld kind of style almost too. And, and a real interesting like cinematography. Yeah. It, it kind of has that BBC kind of yeah. feel to it a little bit. Um, which, you know, and I know, um, what's his name who did, uh, uh, Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the dead was already writing Shaun of the dead when this movie came out. And was super stoked that it came out when it did because it was perfect timing for Shaun of the Dead Hell to then yeah. come out like right after and kind of play off, you know, almost spoof a, a London virus zombie movie. That's you know, great timing. it was great timing. Um, so great tw- marketing. 28 days later, that's our zombie virus movie. Um, but I really want to focus on our feature presentation because it just means a lot to me. It's one of those movies that I have a really strong personal connection with, and I got to show it to you for the first time this week. I found a Stephen King box set, uh, DVD box set that had the stand on it and a bunch of other Stephen Next King we're movies. watching the Langoliers. Yeah, which I don't think I've ever seen Langoliers, which is, I've heard is it's considered one of the worst, one of the worst Stephen it. King uh, adaptations ever. <laughs> but, um, but I got to show you the stand. And so uh, let's talk about uh, our feature presentation, 1994's The Stand. And now our feature presentation. From Stephen King, the master of suspense, comes his all-time bestseller. Containment breach! We've had a major containment breach! Use the manual gate override, Captain! virus released by a government mistake a frantic military willing to stop at nothing to cover up the terrible truth the so-called super flu does not exist what did you do what did you people do as the plague sweeps out of control a nation erupts society crumbles the end is here chosen to survive drawn by dreams of an old woman you're coming along to see me won't you man the chosen ones stream to colorado to find their dreams are real help us to be true dear lord help us to stand las vegas an army of darkness assembles controlled by dreams of their leader Flag. Go 
Laura Sangiacomo, Gary Sinise, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ruby D, and Jamie Sheridan. Stephen King's The Stand. My life for you! M-O-O-N. That spells The Stand. My life for you. <laughs> M-O-O-N. That spells... 1994's The Stand. That's spell Stephen King's The Stand, M-O-O-N. Um, I would say The Stand is the godfather of all post-apocalyptic movies. Oh, dang. That is a large statement to make. Definitely post-apocalyptic horror. Are you prepared horror. to back that up? Absolutely. Um, and really gave birth to the whole subgenre of like virus horror and all of that kind of stuff. It really did. Absolutely. I mean, it came out. So the book came out in 1978 and, and it was, I mean, yeah, there are, there were virus movies that came before it and there were some apocalyptic type movies that came before it. But, but the stand was really, really like kind of put it all together. The first of its kind, the first of its kind. And so much stuff since that has been modeled after it. I mean, I, I would, you know, you look at, uh, uh, gosh, and, and other books too. Like I was talking about, um, for me, when I was like 14 years old, this was the book that I read, like The Stand and Swan Song by Robert. Uh, who wrote Swan Song? Swan Song was written by Robert Mick. I have it in my notes here somewhere because I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, Robert. Where is it? Let's not be very good notes since I can't find them. I do that when I write too many notes, too. Oh, Robert, Mc, Robert McCammon, Robert McCammon. Um, and, and honestly, these are my, you know, all time favorite. These are my, probably my all time favorite books when I was that age. Like I've read them and was so fascinated by, and Swan Song had kind of a similar kind of vibe to it. It was, it was a nuclear apocalypse and then, you know, kind of a good and evil, same kind of good and evil fighting across the country, going to different places, you know, traveling across re-establishing re civilization. Yeah. That kind of vibe. And, and so I love them. I think they were just amazing, but there's no doubt about it that the stand is like, like it's, it's considered by most Stephen King fans, either say it or the stand as their favorite books. Oh. of all time. Definitely the top. We should put a poll up top two. Um, and that's pretty universal. Like people who've read Stephen King, that's, those are just their favorite books, one or the other. Um, like, uh, Jen Ferratu that just posted up cause I posted up a picture of, of my copy of the stand. And she said, she's like, Oh my gosh, it's my favorite book, which I already knew. Cause I listened to her podcast. So, well, you um, owe her because the other day you freaked her out with your mother's scars. Oh, I did. I'm sorry, Jen. I'm sorry for freaking you out yeah, with my mom's you scars. Owe her. I put up a picture of my mom's. My mom just had, Shame. had, had surgery, colon surgery, but they had to open her up and, and had big, big old ass gnarly scars, scars and, and sutures and stuff across her whole belly. And I told, I, I was laughing because I said, I said she needed to, to get a, a tattoo of Chucky on her stomach now that she has these cool scars. It'd be perfect with Chucky's face. Um, and so I superimposed a picture of Chucky on her <laughs> stomach and sent it around. And, and Jen, Jen has a, a fear of, of scars. So we're sorry, Jen, we will get to a fear of scars at some point on this, this podcast. So that's a good one. I like we that. We should interview Jen during that. One. That would be fun. I like that. It's a good idea. Um, but yeah, the stand is Jen's favorite book and it was probably one of my, my all time favorite books too. And, and I'm, I'm getting ready to reread it. Cause I don't think I've reread it since I was in high school. Um, 
So that's something that I'm, you know, I'm excited to do now that we've been getting into this. I'm like, oh man, I got to read that book again. Uh, it's just such a good book. But the basis for, before we dive into the mini series, like I want to talk about the book a little bit and I want to talk about Stephen King's uh, inspiration for writing the book, which was, which was uh, really was Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. He wanted to write an American epic, epic Lord of the Rings style kind of book. Right. And so, um, so this is what he said. He said for a long time, 10 years, at least I had wanted to write a fantasy epic like the Lord of the Rings only with an American setting. I just couldn't figure out how to do it. Then slowly after my wife and kids and I moved to Boulder, Colorado, I saw a 60 minute segment on CBW chemical biological warfare. I never forgot the gruesome footage of the test mice shuddering, convulsing and dying all in 20 seconds or less. That got me remembering a chemical spill in Utah that killed a bunch of sheep. These were canisters on their way to some burial ground. They fell off the truck and ruptured. I remembered a news reporter saying if the winds had been blowing the other way, there was Salt Lake City. This incident later served as the basis of a movie called Rage, starring George C. Scott. I wonder if that's how they got the name for the uh, Rage Virus in huh. uh, 28 Days Later. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but before it was released, I was deep into the stand. Finally writing my American fantasy epic set in a plague decimated USA. Only instead of a hobbit, my hero was a Texan named Stu Redman. And instead of a dark Lord, my villain was a ruthless drifter and supernatural madman named Randall flag. The land of Mordor where the shadows lie, according to Tolkien was played by Las Vegas, which I thought was a the you know, city so of cool. sin. So yeah. apropos for all of Mordor. I'm gonna start calling Vegas Mordor. Yeah. Mordor. <laughs> The going gates down of to Mordor. Mordor. Yeah, driving down there, it's like it at night. Oh, I love driving down there. Actually, I just posted up a picture of us in, in Tonopah. With all at the clown motel. With all of the best uh little penthouses on the way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The little penthouses, yeah. the, all the, the trailers. Yeah. Petticoat Junction. <laughs> oh, those trailers. Oh, the whorehouses. Yeah. Yeah, got them whorehouses. <laughs> best little whorehouse in Nevada. Um so the book was originally released in 1978 and it was around 1200 pages when he finished it. Uh, but his publisher told him in, in 1978 that they couldn't do it. They would either have to break it into Cut two books, it out. which they didn't want to do. So they, they basically said, Hey, you got to knock out like 400 pages of this bitch. Like it's just way freaking too long, you know, cut it out. So being so wordy. So he, he cut out 400 pages out of the book, which I don't know how you would do. That would be just like the most grueling painstaking process ever. Like, I can't understand like, how that. Well, by the time it gets to print, too, Oof. and then they're like, eh, "Yeah, four hundred, about four hundred no. pages trimmed off of this thing." That would be really tough. But never fear, Stephen King fans, because twelve years later, in nineteen ninety, um, the one that I have in my hand right now, which was the the complete and uncut version, came out, which was the full twelve hundred pages. So it got released, and that's really the one that that kind of. Uh, that, that I read when I was a kid and that, and that kind of spurred the miniseries and all that kind of stuff. Um, because it was, I think it kind of got a resurgence of repopularity after the new uncut version came out. Um, so it just had a huge impact on me. It was, it was fascinating. It was fascinating to me, the whole concept of viral apocalypse, like that this could happen, you know, that this is a genuine thing. And even now, right. It's even more crazy. Now we get so much news about Ebola and, you know, the swine flu and the 
bird flu, measles, and whatever measles, right? <laughs> People don't vaccinate. So we get measles again. Um, you know. uh, yeah. And this was a plague that eradicates 99.4% of the population, which right. is more effective in, in the... than hand sanitizer is on germs. Uh, <laughs> it affected more people. Germs, quotation hand sanitizer marks. kills uh, germs. Um, yeah. So it affected the entire population. And, and this is a thing that we don't, you know, we, yeah, we, we, we hear about these pop things, things popping up. We hear about Ebola. We hear about these things that, that could come over. And occasionally there's a few cases in the United States. Um, but think about if you lived in the early 1900s or in medieval times with the plague Ugh. or whatever, where literally like these are things that this would wipe out every day half concerns. of the population of Europe, you know, Spanish flu killed how many millions and millions of people. I mean, it was, it, it wiped out more than the black plague. You know, in like 1915, that wasn't even that long ago. Do you think that some of these movies are as a result of kind of looking back at our history and playing on that that kind of more primitive fear of a population? Yeah, I mean, I, I think leveling the history, event. The history has something to do with it, but I think it's also just ingrained in us that we can be diseased, and these things are unseen. Yeah. We could be breathing in that air right now. You could be breathing across from me right now and I might be diseased. You have no idea. Well, I know you're diseased. You could drop dead at any moment. Um, Is your breath that bad? It's pretty bad. Uh, but I mean, that, that's it's just a natural fear that we have, right? That this, that this could happen to us. It could just, at any moment, we could succumb to some crazy virus that could wipe out the population. And that's terrifying, right? Absolutely. At any moment, you could succumb. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy. And so, I mean, it fascinated me so much. And and then the apocalyptic side of it, right, that it was ushering in some sort of good versus evil battle or whatever. It's very biblical. It's very book of Revelation. I find it very interesting, though, that people survived because they were immune. And I, I saw that same theme in like um, – in 28 days and 28 weeks later, right. too, where certain people are immune for some question mark reason. Well, in the stand, it's not really a question mark, right? Because we have this like biblical hand of God right on certain people and they're going in and they're they have these visions of this this Ma, Abigail, Ma Abigail and and then some people have these visions of this 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 Randall flag, this dark man, you know, these characters, which will dark will, man. Ah, <laughs> fighter of the light men. Ah, <laughs> well played. I know that's not how it goes, but um, but but you've got this very you know this very kind of religious overtone, and, and King was always really good about that. And, and actually, I've always been impressed by King's like theology too. Like he's really good at like getting biblical stuff like kind of right. Which which is which is rare, right? People just kind of like pick and choose like verses, or they pick and choose like little themes in the Bible or whatever. But he actually got a lot of the stuff pretty pretty right, you know, pretty right on. And and they there's quotes from Revelation and the pale horse and and I agree and all that kind of stuff. The uh, the devil probably did wear uh, denim jean on, denim. on jean, denim on denim, yeah. And he probably did have a concubine. Probably did. I mean, probably does. True. He's probably still wearing denim on denim. Yeah. And rocking that mullet, that full sweet mullet. But one of the things that that I think is really interesting too, when you compare King's big books, right, his It versus The Stand, which are like his two biggest uh, uh, classics, um, 
the it has a special place in your heart as a kid, right? Because because that clown it's fucking terrifying. Pennywise is a is a boogeyman, right? Yeah. I was listening to um, the bump in the night. I was listening to a new podcast that I hadn't listened to much before, but the Stephen King cast, um, which is which is great. If you love Stephen King's books and stuff, it's awesome. It goes really in depth in all of his books. But one of the things he said on there, uh, comparing the it and the stand, was Pennywise is every child's boogeyman, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Randall Flagg is every, every adult boogeyman. boogeyman. The Dark Man in the Stand, this 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 oh. Antichrist, this this uh, this demonic, whether he's the devil himself or whether he's a demon or whether he's whatever, this causer of chaos, he is kind of every adult's boogeyman. And so that's kind of the, the the parallel between the two. And I think that's a really cool way of looking at kind of his works. Yeah, and, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and why those things have been, you know, why those characters are such are such iconic characters in Stephen King's um, world. Know, in, in his world, yeah. Speaking of worlds, the stand also, by the way, um, while we're still talking about the book itself, uh, the characters in the stand, like Randall Flagg and stuff, pop up. They all pop up in other in Dark Tower series and stuff too. Huh. So that's part of his bigger universe. Like there's this whole connected universe in some of Stephen King's books. And and the stand is a really big one when it comes to like the Dark Tower. Do you think they'll stuff. touch on that in uh, Castle Rock? Mm, absolutely. I think they already have. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Which I'm not, I'm not a Stephen King. Like I don't know as much as a lot of people do. Um, I'm kind of get, just now getting into like a lot of the books that I've never read before or some of the stuff that I never, you know, I've read a, a handful, you know, spattering here and there, you know, but I never read um, a lot of the ones that I saw the movies for. I was like, yeah, I won't read the book, but now I really want to read all of his books. So I would like to understand more about his kind of connections. He definitely has an inclination towards the pull of good and evil. Um, like when we look at the stand, it starts off and um, there's like two subsets of people that find each other. Hold on. So we haven't gotten into the movie yet. Oh, sorry. So I just want to finish out the book. Um, so that was kind of what, what the book, right. That whole adult boogeyman mm-hmm. thing. Right. Um, so the mini series came out in 94 and I do want to say like the mini series was a little bit, it was date. It's dated. It's, it's a product of its time. It's a product of the limitations of the nineties network television in the nineties. Right. So it's not amazing, but I love it. I personally love it. I'm interested to hear. And actually you, you liked it a lot. I did. I enjoyed it. I was surprised. Like I thought you were going to be like bored and like, be like, Oh my gosh, this is like not, not understanding why I liked it. No, I enjoyed it because I thought it was going zombie movie and then it went totally not zombie movie. Right. Right. Um, and so I was like, where the fuck is this going? And I'm interested to see the differences in the book that you notice. Well, and that was the thing. I haven't read the book in so long. I know there's certain characters. Like I know like the character of uh, Nadine Cross. Um, I believe she's a combination of – there was Nadine and Rita, I think, in the okay. original book. And she, they kind of combined them. And I know Rita – I think Rita committed suicide. There was there was a whole storyline. There that, was a lot of that got there's, there's a lot of storylines that got kind of just left out because you can't do – even a miniseries. It's right. impossible to do a 1,200-page book you know, in a miniseries. So there's some things. Um, but let's, let's dive in. 1994 – um, let me give you a quick synopsis and then we'll, we'll dive into the, the mini series part of this, but I did want to talk about the book for a bit. Um, and the kind of the inspiration behind it. Cause I think it's just, it's just so freaking influential, um, uh, and, and such a badass book. Um, uh, but the mini series adaptation, uh, the human race is 99% wiped out by a government invented super flu. 
The remaining survivors take sides in the forces of good and evil. A mysterious old woman named Mother Abigail, who's a servant of God, and a powerful and deadly dark man named Randall Flagg, oh. who is the author of Chaos, a demon, or even the devil himself. A gas station attendant, a rock star, a mute, a professor, a farmer, a socialite, a disabled man, a judge, a teenager, a mother, and a nerd take center stage in a battle for the soul of the world. So the miniseries, you know, it's trying to, to take all of these storylines. This was one of those, Stephen King's really good at this, and he's always is taking these tangential storylines. Oh man, they're like all over the place. And there's so many of them and then bringing them kind of together. Um, but it's hard to do in a miniseries, And I think they did as good as they could do at the time. Um, it's uh, directed by our favorite masters of horror director. Ooh, Mickle Garrison. <laughs> Mickle Garrison. That's his full name. That's people. not his full name. I know. Mick Garris. Uh, Mick Garris directs it. Um, we talked about a lot in our in our uh, Fear of Cats Sleepwalkers episode. Right. This, this came out right after uh, Sleepwalkers. Okay. Um, in fact, I think him working on Sleepwalkers was the reason why Stephen King brought him on uh, to do to do uh, uh, the stand. Um, in fact, he just had check out Mick Garris's podcast uh, Post Mortem with Mick Garris. He just had Stephen King on like two episodes ago and it was, it was great because he doesn't do a lot of interviews, uh, especially like podcast type interviews. And, and it was awesome to kind of hear him just talk about, they talked about the stand quite a bit. They talked about like some of their older movies. They I did should together. listen to that. It's a good, it's a really good episode. Um, but, and really the star of the stand before we get into like all the, the, the actors and stuff is, uh, is John Bloom, AKA, Joe Bob Briggs. It's re he's really the star of this film. He has a sweet cameo. It's actually a pretty decent little little little, little, little he's little role. a damn handsome man when he was young. Well, and, and now, and he plays Deputy Joe Bob Brentwood. <laughs> Joe Bob Brentwood. Um, but besides Joe Bob, uh, there's a few other main players. Gary Sinise, uh, Lieutenant Dan plays Stu Redman. Lieutenant Dan. Molly Ringwald. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna moan. I get to moan too. <laughs> I was laughing. Molly Ringwald as Franny Goldsmith. Um, and this was right before she was in the movie Malicious, where she shows her tatas, which was which was every 80s, 90s kids' dream, boys' dream, <laughs> maybe boys and girls' dream. I don't know. Um, <laughs> then there was uh, Jamie Sheridan, who played Randall Flagg, the dark man, mm -hmm. um, who we also oh! recognized him from, <laughs> from, from the league as well. Speaking of the league. Yep. Um, he was a... a, a Bit fighter character. of the Nightman. He was fighter of the Nightman. Ah, master of the sun. Master of the sun. Uh, and then Laura Laura Giancomo, um, who played Nadine Cross, um, and I always had the hots for her. Um, she was on Just Shoot Me with David Spade, um, and she was also in Pretty Woman. Oh, that's where I know her um, from. Yeah, I think she was like the the other prostitute. The other <laughs> that she was like, like you don't roommate. see him, but he is like wagging his head back and forth, like, uh uh, girl, the that's what he's trying to do. Finger wagging, <laughs> but with his head. Um, Trash Can Man, played by Matt Frewer, yeah, uh, great character actor. Trash Can Rob Lowe was Nick Andros, uh, uh, who was deaf and dumb in the movie, and actually did a pretty good job. Um, is he supposed to be Jesus or the Jesus like? Uh, figure? No, he's just kind of like a prophet, like very, like, like there's, yeah, there's a couple of characters that are kind of like especially connected okay. to God. 
Um, and then you have Ray Walston, Glenn Bateman, better known as Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, Mr. Hand. And if you're old or from the Nick at Night generation, he was also Martin in My Favorite Martian, um, which was uh, from the 60s. Uh, and then there's just a ton of cameos, like ridiculous amount of cameos. Stephen King, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kathy Bates, Ed Harris, uh, tons of directors, Tom Holland, uh, Sam Raimi, uh, Mick Garris himself, of course. Um, so we, we start out with the virus and the virus is called Captain Trips. They have a name for it. Um, and Steve, Stephen King apparently dreamed up Captain Trips back in like the sixties in a short story that he wrote, uh, called Night Surf. And that was where he had the idea for this virus. And he wrote some, some short story that was, that was with a, with a virus that had its origins in Southeast Asia. Um, and so we have this like at a remote U S army base, they've got this weaponized flu virus that gets, that gets Loose. out. Right. We got this wuss guard that doesn't shut down the plant and then gets, gets away with this family and then ends up contaminating, contaminating everyone. across the country. And so, you know, and then, so it begins. Um, so, as far as viruses go and like the flu, like this, this was a really good movie that like, it was all about like regular flu virus, right? Everybody airborne. thought they were just airborne flu, super contagious. People got normal it, symptoms, normal much symptoms at first. And then so, and so it was easy for the government to be like, eh, just flu, you're just overreacting flu. You know, or yeah. your local news is wrong. And then people start dropping like flies. And uh, as the world, right? 99.4% of the world uh, dies. There's a handful of people that start having these visions. Some have visions of this woman and this old black woman in Nebraska. Some have visions of this evil demonic dude. And they start kind of migrating towards these people. Um, and that's what sets up this like good versus evil battle, right? The two camps of people split off and they either, either go basically to the good side or to the evil side, right? Down Vegas. Yeah, and we've got so we've got all these great characters, and they're they're kind of mixing it. I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to break down this the complexity series. of it. No. There's so many. I mean, even in the miniseries, there's just it's such a there's so many different characters and like the way it's they it's very layered, so layered, um, which is what I love about it. But I think the thing that I take away from the stand is is we've got a a model now for every apocalyptic movie that's come after it. I mean. You know, The Walking Dead, if you look at The Walking Dead, it is the stand. Yeah. It's the stand. It's exactly the same. Yep, they travel with in just, tribes. People, with just zombies. People with just, seek community. Yeah, good versus evil. Yep. You've got your, your you know, and it's a little bit more sociopolitical maybe and a little bit more like. Well, they have more time too. Yeah, know? it's a little more yeah, drawn out over more seasons. But but the basis is the same. These guys are all kind of, you know, they're all in this, in this, this virus laden universe and in walking dead's case they turn into zombies in the stands case they just die but it's basically taking the stand and putting it in a zombie universe mm -hmm. um which you know and then adding like kind of 28 days later fast zombies and and you know various different types of zombies and mixing it all up but those are the basis you know the basis is these these same tropes you know which is amazing to me that, that like stephen king influenced so much of right. where our popular culture and horror movies have gone um, cabin in the woods with, with the, the water being in, in infested with the virus um, 
goes back to the crazies, right? So these, these movies, all these movies and these books all have such a resonating impact on. They build off of each other. Yeah. Build all build and, and have. It's great to see. It's almost like a game of telephone where you kind of take it and put your own spin on it. And it's interesting to see the different spins. Absolutely. And I think they, they, they all take little elements and then just plant them in. And we had such a zombie craze, which we've talked about, like, and, and they popular. all took these apocalyptic themes and put them into, you know, whether it was world war Z or whether it was, was, you know, uh, and in the apocalypse walk, walking dead, <laughs> you love Anna and the apocalypse. I do. You find a reason to drop that movie into every conversation. Go watch Anna and the apocalypse. Anna and the apocalypse. It's a Christmas. Not apocalypse. It's a Christmas. Apocalypse. It's a Christmas zombie. Not a cockalypse. Not, not uh, a cockalypse. Not cockpocalypse. Cockpocalypse. <laughs> Name of your porn movie. Name of your horror porn movie. Name of your mom's horror porn movie. Dang. <laughs> it's messed up, man. Um, but what do you think of this movie? I think introducing it to you was really fun. Because you have you didn't have the background, you didn't know what it was going to be. No, about. I had, had no, no idea. And it's 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 cheesy, it has its cheesy moments. I think it still holds up for a '90s movie. Oh, it has great Sleepwalkers. Um, oh, oh, uh, special actions, effects too. Yes. Like Mick Garris, Mick Garris has his when when uh, when Randall Flagg's face turns into like a demon. Yep, uh, that remind me so much of Sleepwalkers. Totally, totally had Sleepwalkers like uh, cat cat morphing early 90s CGI. I like how it kind of uh, balanced on the themes of hope and despair too, you know, like just kind of just, it, it had so many themes of hope versus despair. Like, should we have hope of going to this camp and kind of living things out or, you know, do we go and just kill everyone and kind of do our own thing? Like, and that's the good versus, that's go? the good versus evil, right? right? The, 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 the hope of, is there a guiding hand behind this or is this, or, you know, or are we just going to kind of fulfill whatever our basic needs are at the cost of killing other people right. or, or yeah. taking advantage of other people? There's some big themes on community, you right. know, like community and society. Coming together versus. Um, and there was a quote from Larry. Uh, he said, if we don't have each other, we'll go crazy with loneliness. When we do, we go crazy with togetherness. When we get together, we build miles of summer cottages and kill each other in the bars on Saturday nights. Yep. Yeah. So it kind of says something about human nature. Right. Um, but also the need to be in a community um, and kind of fighting that like good versus evil feeling within us all. Um, I really enjoyed it. So Stephen King almost stopped writing this book. And he almost, stopped, he almost stopped writing it because. It was too fucking long? No. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. It's never stopped him before. Um, he almost stopped writing this because as his characters developed, he realized that even after the apocalypse, they were going to fall right back into the same patterns, the same patterns that devastated them to begin with that devastated human society. So he got, he got despairing about his characters, about how, about human nature, about how human nature is going to, it's going to, it's going to basically, no matter what happens, you're always going to go back to your basic human nature mm -hmm. and your basic human nature is a lot of self-serving self selfish interest type things. And, and so it, it almost made him stop, stop. Oh, that makes sense. That would, the whole book. that would be like a little bit of an existential crisis. It would get you a kind of a little lost. Yeah. Kind of sad. These characters that you built up and you love so much and they're, they're so alive to you and you can't figure out a way to write them out of this. So, 
The Stand is officially becoming a 10-part TV series coming up soon uh, on CBS All Access, which just brought us The Twilight Zone, which I haven't seen yet either, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Um, it's been in development for quite a while by writers Josh Boone and Ben Cavill. Uh, Cavell. Um, so that's coming up soon. A new 10 part stand series, which nice. I'm really excited about. Really, really, really. I hope they handle it well. Um, because I, I believe the original so it was so impactful. Um, but I love this movie. Uh, but look forward to a remake of it because I think it could be done. It could be done a lot better. Yeah. Let's see what they Not do that with Mick it. Garris didn't do a wonderful job with what he had for the time. I think it was awesome and it, it was so impactful but I would love to see an update of it and sure. a, a remake of it. Um, and if you haven't read the book, read the book. It's amazing. Um, and cover your mouths when you sneeze, folks. <laughs> Wash your hands when you're supposed to. Wash your hands when you're supposed to. And and don't overuse sanitizer. And you know what? Let your kids dig in the dirt a little bit. It's not going to kill them. Or maybe it will. Who but knows? life kind of kills us. <laughs> life goes on. Um. So that's 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 our our episode. Mysophobia. Mysophobia. Yeah. Misophobia. Mysophobia. Misophobia. Uh I think uh I don't think we have a topic for next time yet. But uh until next time stay afraid. Stay very afraid. <laughs>